from our sponsors. First, Preschool Bucks. Hey parents, we know you may be stuck at home with the kids right now and looking for ways to keep them actively engaged and learning. The Preschool Box is here to help. The Preschool Box is all about helping children unlock their potential by making learning fun. Each month, the Preschool Box will send you a box packed full of engaging and educational activities with a focus on reading and math skills that will prepare your little one for success in school. It's amazing. These monthly work at your own pace activities encourage learning, reading, and creativity in kiddos aged three to six. And each box has an array of hands-on activities, crafts, and worksheets, which you can structure to match your child's pace and level of development. And the best part is that every box has a set of focus skills. So each month you get new and exciting material to work on. The work you do at home now with your kids is so important for their future. Let the preschool box help you and your child have fun learning together. Head over right now to thepreschoolbox.com and use the code PARENTDRIVEN to get $5 off your first preschool box. And now for Nurture Life. The kids are home, you're at home, and everybody has to eat. Nurture Life provides nutritious, ready-to-eat meals for the whole family, delivered fresh right to your door each week. Meals are portioned by age and designed by registered dietitians to specifically meet the nutrient needs of kids and adults, so everyone from your 10-month-old to your grandparents can continue to eat well and stay healthy as we stay inside. With a focus on organic veggies, lean antibiotic and hormone-free proteins, and whole grains, Nurture Life meals offer balance nutrition that kids actually like, from chicken bites with mashed sweet potatoes to lentil meatballs with ratatouille, each meal sets a new standard for what food should be. Nurture Life just launched the option for a one-time purchase, which allows you to purchase a box without signing up for a subscription. A great option to send a box to a loved one and spare them a trip to the grocery store. You can also sign up for weekly deliveries that start at just $39 and build your own box to select the right mix of meals for your family. Skip weeks or cancel any time to fit your ever-changing needs and schedule. Get the best meals for your kids and family delivered right to your door, available for every zip code across the contiguous United States. Take 25% off your first Nurture Life order with code PARENTDRIVEN. Visit NurtureLife.com to learn more. And now, on to our show. Hello, and welcome to Parent Driven Development. Today, I'm here with my friend, Chris. Hello, I'm Chris Arcand, and we're here with today's guest on our show, Mike McQuaid. Mike is a father of two and lives and works in his hometown of Edinburgh, Scotland. He's a senior engineer at GitHub, where he's worked for the last six years. And in his free time, he's the project leader for the Homebrew Open Source Package Manager. He also likes going to the gym, walking his dog, and hosting the Pal Balancing Dads podcast for working fathers. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So with you being a host on another parenting podcast and a very busy sounding father of two, there's a whole lot of different things we could chat about today. You sent us some of your favorite topics and the one I'd love to selfishly start off with first is paternity leave. Not long ago, I returned from my second paternity leave and right before the show started, you actually mentioned you're actually just getting off of leave yourself. So first off, congratulations. 
Thanks very much. Although that I haven't had a baby quite as recently as that may sound. So GitHub is exceptionally generous with paternity leave in that you get five months in your first year. So with baby number one, we did, I think I was off for six weeks by myself at the beginning. Sorry, six weeks together at the beginning. And then the remaining time, I guess, three and a bit months at the end when my wife went back to work. And this time I had eight weeks off at the beginning with my wife. And then we've had, I guess, when the youngest is been sort of six to nine months i've been off with the two of us so yeah we had a couple of little goals in that time and yeah we've we've done some of them not failed others that's fantastic it's nice when you can actually break up leave i know i've actually heard of places that don't allow especially fathers to like use different parts of time throughout the year like you have to take it contiguously hashicorp also allows you to break it up over the course of the year and i gotta say that makes a huge difference i think yeah yeah no it's really great i think the particularly with baby number one it was really nice to have the time together at the beginning when you just feel like you know you've been hit particularly the you know the first whatever two four six weeks when you've had your first child it's like being hit by a wrecking ball yeah and so i mean having that both together is really great and then I really loved, I kind of copied a few dads at GitHub in having like a couple months at the end by myself, and which I kind of viewed as like a vaccination against being too terrible a father in the future. If I have to kind of do it by myself for like a couple of months, then, <laughs> you know, you, you learn how to do things, I guess, pretty quick. Yeah. What have your, ex- how's your experience been so far just now coming back from leave? What's it been like for you? What do you think uh, has gone well? What could have gone better and, and all that? Yeah, no, it's been really nice. So, I mean, we had our eldest in still in kind of daycare for much of the the leave so we could kind of focus on the youngest one. So because mm-hmm. the, the eldest is like two and a half now. So he pretty much if he's in the room, he will absorb the attention of everyone in it. You know, we love that, but felt it was only fair to the eight month old to let him have a bit of his own attention. So, yeah, so that that's been kind of really nice. And it's been nice kind of having stuff that we all do together. And having stuff that I just go off and do with him and stuff like that. I guess one of our goals during the three months was to try and toilet train the two and a half year old. And yeah, we've really not managed on that. We've kind of pretty much, we sort of vaguely tried and then kind of gave up. And now I think we've decided in this coronavirus isolation life that this is the perfect time. You know, he's not at daycare right now. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, for probably going to be off for at least a month, if not a couple of months. So Let's let's see what happens. Just put him in pants. And so far, I think we're on day three now. and We've not had any successful things in the in the potty or whatever. It's just <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we're both also a bit insecure because our so I say our eldest is our two and a half year old. We actually have three years to the day older than him is our dog. And it took us uh, nine months to get our dog house trained. So I feel like we have oh no confidence in general with with toilet training humans or animals. we are also taking this opportunity to to potty train my my youngest i sort of wonder kids that are that will be starting preschool you know as as preschool sort of hopefully reopen in the fall i wonder what the percentage of like potty trained to not potty trained if there will be uh, a large like just a percentage difference because i feel like a lot of parents are like well for home, might as well try to potty train. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say it could it could be either way, right? It's just the it's just the difference that might be really interesting to look at. It could be like a lot of kids aren't suddenly potty trained, or a lot of kids really are potty trained. <laughs> I am curious about your podcasts. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, please. Okay. So you have a podcast that is sort of more specifically focused on dads. And so I was I was curious why you chose to sort of what sparked the inspiration to to start that podcast? Yeah, thanks. Good question. So I think for me, it was, I guess, observing as you do. I like probably a lot of people in tech consider myself, you know, probably left of center politically. And I guess you kind of go into relationships and life and politics and all these type of things. And you, you kind of think that everything's going to be a certain way in your life. You, I think you have it mapped out and then you have kids and over here at least. So the standard kind of maternity leave for women is about 12 months and the standard paternity leave for men is about two months. And I guess you notice that like things can go a bit 1950s pretty quickly (laughs) without you realizing it. And you're like, wow, these like we we're both like pretty anti kind of stereotypical gender roles and stuff like that and you realize that this stuff can kind of just creep up on you without you really realizing it and i particularly with my my wife and i both work she's a physical therapist and i noticed that like she would get all these questions about like oh well you know how do you how do you do it how do you like balance being a mother with kind of working and no one ever asks men these questions And, and part of me was kind of like you know almost snarky contrarian that I am like, yeah, let's just make a podcast kind of asking men the the silly questions that women get asked. But then actually, I guess the more I kind of thought about it and the more we kind of did it, I guess I thought like, well, actually it's, it's very valid to ask men these questions because a lot of guys nowadays are really trying to kind of actively balance their career with being a father. And I think for me, it's kind of, it's interesting kind of having that focus on, on dads in that way, just because it's not something that people talk about as much. And the more we've kind of done it and the more we've kind of talked to other people about it, the more you realize that there is an awful lot of men out there who really are kind of trying just as hard as their partners to kind of figure out ways to kind of balance their career with, with childcare, with being a good parent and all this type of stuff. And in some cases it's there again, it varies a lot from country to country, but in some cases their workplaces are even less accepting of stuff as you know as mothers find it you know mothers over here in a lot of professions find it quite easy to to get more flexible hours and stuff like that and you know my wife's even kind of observed that at work that sometimes you get situations where she feels like if a if a guy asked for the same degree of flexibility that women asked for they would be a bit like "Mm, well we're not really sure and yeah i think i guess that's all the stuff that kind of sparked i wanted to have a more of a conversation about it for me yeah absolutely i know that this topic is uh, we've talked a lot about on this show as well is that same thing about like the completely lopsided like expectations between a mother and father with their kids and how like, you know, not only are there like a ridiculous number of these kind of implicit expectations that people have for the mother, but also like and I know I've said this on a, on a previous episode as well, like the the amount of like almost like unmerited praise in some weird way as a dad 
Like I know I've said this one before, even just like going to the grocery store, for example, and having my, my three-year-old in the cart and going through checkout or whatever. I've had it many times before where the, the cashier will literally be like, oh, you're going to the grocery store and watching your son today. Wow. Good job, dad. Like that's all, that's a lot of work. You're not used to that surely. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, parenting, doing my thing. We had this this really interesting experience a couple weeks ago as as all of this stuff with COVID-19 kicked up, we had this this day. So my husband and I have on Fridays, we have an hour that is set aside just for the two of us. It's sort of like our, it's just like a time for us to reconnect. We try to go on a walk or we try to, you know, it's, it's, it's just like a time, a time for us. And as all of this coronavirus, COVID-19 stuff it was coming up as Maryland was like closing schools and closing, you know, just all the sort of things happening very quickly. It was a Friday and at, and at one o'clock I came out of my office and I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I told him, I was like, I'm so exhausted. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to, trying to do my work day and like, I've gotten, you know, like got a call from the pediatrician and, you know, an email from them and a call from kindergarten registration. Our son is going into kindergarten next year. So a call from the school about kindergarten orientation. And, you know, I've got numerous emails from preschool and, you know, I was like, it just, you know, and the, like the WhatsApp group that like all these sort of like groups that I'm in are like just kicking up, you know, they're super chatty. And, you know, I was like there, I just feel like I have so many notifications right now. And I was like, how are you like, how, you know, how are you, how are you handling it? Like, how are you feeling? And he was like, he was like, I haven't gotten any of those things. And I was oh like, my gosh. wait a second. I was like, are you kidding? I was like, I've literally gotten like probably five phone calls today, like multiple emails, like so many things just like flying at me to like deal with. And like, this one needs to call back and that one needs to like reschedule, blah, blah. I was like, and, and, I will say that our, we do two things. First off, both of our contact information is on all forms. And second off, we have, we try to actually switch who's listed as primary and secondary, because like in an instance like this, right, if, if we're, if it's split on who's like, ideally they would be calling the primary for each of these. And so we'd get like the number of notifications or phone calls or whatever would be distributed. He had not gotten a single phone call. He had gotten about a quarter of the emails that I had gotten. And, you know, like I might like he was like, I had no idea, like, feel free to forward me stuff or like, to, you know, tell me like what you want me to reply to versus you to reply to. And, you know, my my like my initial reaction was just like, man, like I we can't be equal parents if society doesn't let us be equal parents, you know, wow. and like think that's a big part of it. Right. Like the conversation of like moms being asked all the time, like, why, you know, how, how do they do it? How do they, you know, how do they work versus, you know, dad's hardly ever being asking that, being asked that question. It's like the same thing, right? If they have a choice between like a mom and a dad in, in, you know, I'm talking about, you know, we're also talking about hetero relationships where there is a mom and a dad, you know, it's like, I was shocked that it seemed like no matter who was listed as the primary like they just everything defaulted to like calling me as the mom and so yeah that's like a, a very recent example that I felt hard <laughs> so also you said that you 
purposely try and split like primary and secondary contacts, which is genius, by the way. So you're saying that even even listed as the secondary comment, you know, there were specific entities that were still calling you primarily. Yes. yes. Wow. It's just yeah. crazy. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. So I again, I don't know whether this will make you feel better or worse, but <laughs> it I feel like a better future is possible at least because I, I remember hearing you say that on previous podcasts, Chris, about the grocery store thing. And it's something I do quite often with R2. And I've never had a comment ever. Like sort of, you know, like I, at most I get a, you know, oh, you've got your hands full. But I, I've had, my wife has had the same comment when she has, you know, the two of them. Well, in fact, she she doesn't like taking two of them to the grocery store at least because the elder one just tries to eat all the food. But, you know, if she's if she's out with just the two of them by herself. And so I, I feel like some of this stuff is thankfully, perhaps like culturally dependent. And maybe it's kind of Europe being better with some of this stuff. I don't really know. I mean, certainly the like, as I mentioned earlier, the kind of work life balance conversations being dominated by asking women. That's that's definitely something I think we have in common with the States. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess even thinking about our daycare. So our daycare is pretty good about calling me. I mean, part of that, I think, might be because because my wife works in a hospital. If they try and call her, like a lot of the time, she can't answer her phone. You know, she has back to back appointments with patients all day. So in some ways, I don't know whether they have tried in the past and they just never get through to her. And they've kind of learned that they can get through to me because I'm just sitting at my desk like five minutes walk away. Um, but yeah. But so another potential, I guess I really liked your kind of idea of listing both parents, a perhaps kind of worthy of it, this being a, a tech podcast conversation. So what we did is we set up email addresses for both kids and basically just on my kind of vanity domain and their their kind of names on that. And then if you send an email to those addresses, it gets sent to both parents. So that's a little hack that we've been using that kind of works quite well. Or if in some bizarre cases where, you know, there's some login or whatever, and that doesn't work, then I've gone to the lengths of setting up Gmail filters that mean that when my wife gets emails from like certain domains, you know, like the the daycare company or the swimming company or whatever it may be, like I always get all of those emails and stuff like that as well. So it's kind of funny because I think people definitely default to just wanting to contact one parent, but it's, yeah, there's, I guess like hacky workarounds for this stuff, but it would be nicer if people just did as they were requested to do for sure that that is genius i am totally stealing exactly that (laughs) that is awesome i especially during the the you know current virus crisis and whatnot you know getting all these emails from different things that some are obviously not important some are very important and i know i've been forwarding a lot of stuff to my wife and my wife has been forwarding a lot of stuff to me so just having one contact that just distributes properly would be really really nice yeah that's a great idea. <laughs> what are some of the things that have come up on your podcast that you found really interesting or that you think are sort of like unique to the perspective of like a dad's podcast? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't really know that this is unique, but I think the thing that struck me was so the last episode of kind of the first season, I guess, we had one of the GitHub founders on. And, you know, obviously, He's done relatively well out of the Microsoft acquisition, one can only imagine. But it's kind of interesting, I guess, that even when you're in those very different situations, both country-wise, because me and my co-host Paul, he's based in Dublin in Ireland, and we've had a fair few 
guests from around the US and stuff like that. But partly, as I said, country-wise and partly, you know, financially and whatever your job title is, you realize that like so much of being a parent is this shared experience that, you know, it can be easier or harder depending on the resource at your disposal. But at the end of the day, you know, stuff like potty training, you know, unless you have <laughs> someone who's going to do it for you, unless you're at that kind of level, it's like, it, it doesn't matter what, you know, how, how many degrees you have, how much money you have in your bank account. If, if your kid does not want to poop in a potty, they're not going to poop in a potty. Like, and, and there's something, I don't know, there's something really nice about that, that kind of just that sense of, I don't know, universality and camaraderie and all that type of thing. I really like. Yeah, for sure. That's hilarious. Yeah. I guess I never thought about it that way that, yeah, like even if you have different, different resources or different countries or whatnot, there are some, when you when you boil it down, there are some basics across across the board that affect all of us. So another topic to switch gears a little bit. You mentioned us when we were planning on having you on the show is cultural differences with raising kids in different countries, which I find really fascinating to hear about. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences there and you know where you've been? Yeah. So I, I mean, I've lived my entire life in the UK. I've been in Scotland all but two years and I was down in the south of England for two years. But I think the interesting thing for me is I have spent the last, I guess it would be almost eight years now working for Bay Area based companies where I've been remote. And I've spent, I guess, oh, probably 10 and a half years now working remote for companies that are not based in the UK. So a lot of my, I guess all my kind of workplace friends, pretty much none of them are in the same city almost none of them are in even the UK. I think literally none of them pretty much at this point are in Scotland. Um, so it, I, I definitely feel like I am living a variety of perspectives. Like even during this podcast, because I'm speaking to two Americans, I use the word potty. I use the word, you know, diaper instead of nappy. I'll say daycare instead of nursery. And my brain just automatically switches these things at this point. But I think it's it's kind of been really interesting from that perspective, having lots of chats with people and realize what things are kind of, as I mentioned before, what things are the same for, for everyone and what things are a bit different. I think over here, like a really big one is maternity leave is like, as I mentioned before, standard 12 months. I think healthcare like that, the whole like healthcare situation is just, particularly in the UK, is just very, very different because it's all free at the point of access and basically like almost most things cannot be done privately so you can't buy your way into better service particularly with like children's medicine and stuff like that and i think as well like just i don't know just kind of looking at where i live and seeing that in the town i'm in like people are really like friendly to children and stuff like that and very very open to it, it does feel like the kind of big city versus small city thing i guess around the world in general that you know if you're in a kind of slightly smaller place although i'm in the kind of bigger city in scotland compared to london people in general here seem to be kind of very into kids and very like into kind of engaging with parents and children that they might not know on the street and stuff like that and yeah i guess that there's a whole, a whole variety of things but it's yeah it's it's kind of hard sometimes to even notice all the differences until you have have them articulated. Yeah, I mean, I think, whew, so many, so many topics there. <laughs> I have, I have so many strong opinions about America and maternity leave and healthcare. 
especially healthcare at the moment, but I'll keep them, keep them tampered it's down a, a little bit. <laughs> it's a big can of, of different topics. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. So I know that like HashiCorp is very much the same sort of experience, I think is what I'm getting as far as GitHub goes, where we're distributed all over the place. We have a lot of different, different experiences from different parents all over the world. Do y'all have a like channel or something for like parents at the company where you just kind of get together and just talk about parenting stuff and if you found that to be interesting yeah yeah we do I, and i think it's you it's funny because i you get the impression that there's certain things that I, i'm not going to mention specific topics because i'm sure it goes both right. ways that there's there's certain topics you get the impression that maybe kind of europeans are all chatting about or americans are all chatting about or whatever and you can sort of almost like hear the back channels forming being like whoa i would have never thought of things that way or whoa <laughs> yeah. i'm glad i don't have to deal with that and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting from that perspective. I, I, I do think it's been good. And I think one of the big things I think for for my wife and I has been just stuff like the the difference in maternity leave. You know, so with our first, so she went back to work after nine months and I did the last three months of the kind of I guess standard twelve months over here before they typically go to daycare. And even at kind of GitHub where the, the maternity leave is fairly generous, I think it's maybe six months or something at the moment. You know, it, it was kind of, I think, really helpful and nice for her to have, because be, people at her work would be like, oh my goodness, you're going back so early. Like, you know, do you not feel bad about leaving your children? And then, you know, it, she'd understandably get upset about people saying stupid and sensitive stuff like that. And I'd be like, well, you know, if we were living in the US, then you could quite possibly be back from work after six weeks, you know? So it's, really not is i think it's kind of nice because it helps you to realize that things that are in your own little cultural bubble completely taken for granted because you just don't know anyone or hear anyone who has like a different experience to you it's kind of really nice to kind of be thrown into those kind of different ways of looking at things and being like oh wow like you know even something where i feel like compared to Maybe the rest of people in Scotland, I don't have very great compared to parenting stuff. You realize like, oh, well, actually, compared to a lot of parts of the world, I'm super, super lucky. And and I think that's been really nice and really encouraging. And also just as a result of that, being able to kind of have people who have a very different attitude of how to do things. Like my wife listens to a, a podcast, it's kind of US centric called uh, Best of Both Worlds. And that's been a similar one where they will suggest a bunch of stuff that over here, you know, no one would possibly ever suggest that because it's so kind of maybe culturally, I don't know, considered like, oh, you wouldn't do that type of thing mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it's it's nice because it's like opening your eyes up to these different perspectives, even if you don't do exactly what people are doing elsewhere. It's it helps kind of drag you in a different direction. And if you're kind of feeling a little bit different to your maybe your peers kind of geographically, then it, it helps you kind of remind yourself again that it's, you know that a lot of this stuff is just cultural baggage from where you live rather than necessarily any sort of do's or don'ts or actual kind of right or wrong ways of being a parent. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree that I feel like that's one of uh, one of the biggest perks, I feel like, of working on a very distributed distributed company all over the place is being able to discuss and just hear about other experiences in other places and not get trapped into thinking that the stuff that you see every day in your own small little bubble is the way how it works everywhere. The world is a really big place, I guess, is the thought there. For sure. Do you feel like working at a distributed company, does it affect the way that you 
talk to your kids or raise your kids about sort of like awareness of like different different countries and different cultures or I don't know I mean sometimes I will talk to my son about like he he knows I'm also at GitHub right and so he knows that we have like Octocat friends all over the world and sometimes we'll you know talk about that we've been able to you know he's been able to to travel with me a fair amount um, but I feel like working at a distributed company has been a little bit of fun because I can say like oh you know like that like that computer friend is from this place or that Octocat friend is from is from it's from that place and I don't know I was curious if it changes sort of like your worldview enough that it changes how you talk to your kids about the world yeah, that's that's a really good question. I'm I'm not sure with the two and a half year old, he's still not quite at the point where I think he kind of gets a lot of stuff like that yet, really. Like I don't think he kind of quite understands, you know, about the world and there being all these different places and stuff like that. But it's de- I I think it definitely is something as he gets older. Like my my wife and I before we had him did like a lot of traveling. So I think that's definitely something that we want to kind of do as he gets older to sort of encourage him to kind of look at different cultures and think about things in a different way and sort of expand his horizons. I think the thing that has for me made a really big difference is just the whole working from home for a company that's not here and where I don't have to go to an office every day like that. Just in terms of like flexibility, that has been really, really huge because it just means that like I, I'm super, and I think, Part of this is the the time zone fact that I'm I'm eight hours away from San Francisco time, so pretty much at like most of my coworkers are kind of starting their work at about between five and six p.m. my time, and I'm going to bed you know at the moment about ten p.m. and when I was before I went on leave because the the youngest one was so terrible at sleeping you know eight thirty nine p.m. so I've I have to be super disciplined about sort of separating work from life stuff so like i don't have work slack on my phone unless i'm on a work trip i i basically sign out of everything at like when i finish my work day and stuff like that and just have to kind of make clear to people when i'm available and when i'm not and i think that combined with the flexibility of working from home has just been incredible like it's it's so good to be able to kind of say to my kids that you know i'll be over at this time for your dinner or your bedtime whatever and know that I can kind of make that commitment consistently, you know, every day and not have to kind of worry about, oh, well, if the traffic's bad or if I'm running late or if there's some really important meeting or whatever. And I guess the flip side of that is I'm perhaps some of that inflexibility is limits my career growth or whatever. But I think it's having the choice and the ability to do that has been really huge. I think particularly as well, because my wife, my wife's job is very flexible in terms of she can negotiate, you know, reduced hours and work certain days of the week and not other days of the week and stuff like that. But on the day-to-day basis, she has zero flexibility in terms of if, you know, if a kid's sent home sick from daycare or whatever and someone needs to pick them up within half an hour, she just can't get there within half an hour. You know, she may have a patient who's she has to see mm-hmm. for like the next hour or whatever it may be. And yeah, I think it's having the balance of those flexibilities as well has just been really huge as a parent. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good segue into one last little topic area I wanted to to chat about. First off, I've never had the opportunity outside of Twitter or GitHub comments to say, thank you so much for all the work you put into the homebrew project. You know, you're clearly someone who 
manages a lot between working family and a very active open source presence. And, you know, you have an entire podcast literally named after it. But in the small time a bit, we have to chat here. I need to ask going off of your your previous answer there. How do you manage all these things in such a way as to keep yourself balanced? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I I have increasingly firm boundaries with things like I have certain times and places and stuff like that where I do things. So, for example, I guess I mentioned before I don't have my work email on my phone. I also don't have nowadays any of my open source emails on my phone and the open source slacks and all these type of things. So I have this kind of fairly tight separation. And then similarly, kind of during my working day, I try and like carve out the time I'm going to spend doing this or that or whatever and set kind of calendar appointments or whatever it may be. But I think like <laughs> this, this maybe sounds a bit weird, but like I think fundamentally some of my attitude to some stuff is like, does it need to be as good as I think it needs to be? Uh, that that might sound like a more diplomatic way of saying I half-ass things, but I think I kind of do. Like, I mean, with, with Homebrew, the the code I write and the way I develop software in Homebrew is nowhere near as good as it is at my day job. Um, I do stuff in Homebrew, which if I did it in my day job should get me fired because it's, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have the time to do it properly. And similarly, like, you know, with the podcast, I basically, you know, I, I found like a really great tool for making it the edits perfect. And it sounded really, really great. And I did one episode with that, but it took me like three times as long. So I'm like, okay, I, I can't justify spending that much time on doing stuff like that. So I, I kind of just time cap almost everything in my life outside of just, I guess, time with kids and, and stuff like that. So, and yeah, I, I think that's been a big thing for me and perhaps as well in the last few years, since having kids, I've like almost entirely given up stuff like social media and like various other like little distractions in my life that I feel don't add to thing, like don't add to my life in, in like positive ways. I know for some people it does, but like for me, I still play you know, a bit of computer games because I find if I play computer games for like 15 minutes after I've been really stressed at work with kids or whatever, it just like rebalances me in a way that like I Twitter maybe did like 15 years ago, but like nowadays, like hell no, like <laughs> Twitter, if anything, makes me more stressed after 15 minutes rather than less stress. So yeah, yeah I, I don't really know how I balance it all, but it's, it seems to, I don't know, seems to go okay. Yeah, you. it's definitely a, a skill that I feel like is learned where you can start to like be more self-aware about what is and isn't important to you and like where, you you know, good enough is good enough and you need to move on. That's something that I know I've noticed, you know, getting older and, and becoming uh, a parent and whatnot is that that stuff becomes more and more important. The ability to be able to identify that sort of stuff and to act on it is so, so important. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I, I mean, I think the first thing I can think of in my life before I had kids where I had that sort of attitude is I wrote a, a git book and my goal was to get it done in, in a year that was my primary goal and my secondary goal was for it to be like a good book and it was just like that I think that attitude has sort of crept into other parts of my life where it's very much about doing the job and getting it done in a certain time scale or a certain window or whatever and then I will try and make it as good as it can be within that but it's like I mean, like anything in life, it's those kind of diminishing returns, right? Where I know if I spent another hour or two hours or whatever on a on a task or a podcast or whatever, it will be better, but it will not be twice as good than if I spent half the time on it. So I I guess I I try as much as I can to figure out like what that 
cutoff point is where stuff is good enough and you know do that and if people be they at work or homebrew users or maintainers or my wife or whoever complain then it's like okay well maybe i have to ask that a bit too much and i need to up my game a little bit more next time yeah it's hard to it's hard to fit it all in and i don't know if you feel this way but i feel like i also go through like good time periods and bad time periods right so like for a while i've been working on a a repo for like just manager tools and for a while i was doing really like my commitment to myself was that anytime that i opened my computer outside of work hours i would write a few sentences And I was really, and I did that for like a month and it was really good. And I like wrote a few sentences every single time. And then, you know, I, I like pushed up that, that section. My goal is to like complete the section. I pushed up the section and I have not for the next section, haven't been able to sort of like get myself quite into the, into the same habit. And granted, there's sort of a lot of stuff going on right now, but yeah, I find that I also go through like time periods where I'm better where I can sort of form that habit and stick to it versus like times that I'm that I'm worse I'm wondering with sort of like maintaining an open source project if it's become a habit for you where there's a certain time that you do you know you know you mentioned time boxing but like there's a certain time that you do it regularly or if it sort of sometimes is better sometimes is worse yeah no I think so I think like I, I try and I try and like look at it most days at least and then i think one of the nice things about being again the kind of journey with open source because i've been like maintaining homebrew for over 10 years now is that you realize in the end that you kind of you actually don't owe anything to anyone so as a result like when i'm kind of looking through you know issues or pull requests or whatever it's just so liberating now to be able to kind of say to myself like you don't have to do any of this like if you don't want to then just don't and one of the the really nice things about that and i feel like with homebrew particularly we've kind of built a community of maintainers who agree with me on this essential proposition which is that if someone makes a bug report that's valid but they're really rude about how they express that we don't try and fix that bug like we're just like okay that's that's fine like if if you're going to talk to us like that we don't want to deal with you and we're not going to waste our energy or time on trying to kind of extract information from you and i I feel like that has made everything much nicer and easier just those kind of realizations that hey like almost everything i do in my life other than work and being a parent is just self-imposed goals that i would like myself to do so if you don't manage it then eh, like it it you know if you really care you'll do it and if you don't do it then you don't obviously partly you maybe don't care quite enough or maybe you're just not ready right now maybe you're as you said like there's all the with yourself um there's all the kind of covid stuff going on right now and it's like you know maybe you just don't have the headspace to work on that repo right now and that's fine like you don't you haven't committed to a publisher that you're gonna get it done by a certain date or time and you've not you know got people paying you to do that so like if when you have the energy for that again you'll you'll do it, i'm sure and if you don't then you don't and that's fine mm-hmm. i needed we- to hear that so badly given that <laughs> i have also been staring at notifications that have been sitting in open source projects for a while and i'm just like no i can't do this right now so thank you for that well to plug a personal blog post on that like i wrote one i can't remember how long ago it was that like the title is literally open source maintainers owe you nothing that basically articulates that i mean if the licensing around open source like if you read the legalese which is a little bit dull but 
it's worth doing every so often. It like literally says, even if this like intentionally causes damage to like your hardware or software by running the software, like you have by using it waived all liabilities. So if I if I make code in Homebrew that like literally deletes everything off your hard drive intentionally and I do that to like specifically to annoy people then it's like well you waived all rights to complain about that by the open source license you used so when you realize that like just how horrible and nasty you could be to people like which is well within your rights then all of a sudden like not fixing a bug in a timely manner or whatever is like well you know I've said through the license I use that I don't have to do this so meh Okay, so we are moving on to genius and fail moments. This is the segment of our show where we talk about things that have happened in the last week or two, something that is either a genius or something really, really great that has happened or a fail, which is a time that, you know, maybe something parenting-wise didn't go quite as anticipated or, yeah, just something that, that wasn't maybe so awesome. Anyone want to go first? Sure. I can go first. That's fine. So my son hasn't actually left the house beyond going outside for nearly two weeks in the current pandemic. But this fail is one I had right before we started our own self-imposed quarantine. I was driving home with my son in the back and I was in a bit of a hurry. And I was trying to make a left turn at a stoplight and had to wait for someone in the oncoming lane to pass. And they were going way slower than I wished. I was in a big hurry. So, you know, even though I consider myself a pretty patient driver, I said something like, dude, move your car. And thereafter, my son was like, dude, move to every car that we saw passing by, literally every single car on the way home (laughs) and asking me, you know, why are they going so slow? And I was just tripping (laughs) over myself, trying to explain that, you know, you shouldn't speed and drive very safely and whatnot. And yeah, it was just a bit of a fail on my part, not being able to completely keep my cool there. But it was also really kind of funny in a lot of ways. So whatever. Anyways, that's my fail moment. I can go. I, I have a genius. And I am, I'm going to hold on to this genius because this may be the last genius that I have for a while as we <laughs> stay, as we stay home more and more and more. So my genius, so our son's preschool is closed. I mean, for who, there's a date, but like, what does that even mean? Anyway, and so we, the first couple of days were, pretty rough like there were just like there were a lot of interruptions there was a lot of there's just a lot of stuff going on anyway and we we actually have this like big space above our fireplace where for years we've been in this house for like five years for years my husband and I are like hmm what should we put up there like you know should we Anyway, so we decided to put up there I had my son do Together, we did Devin's agreements. So we talked about like what sorts of things at school make make his class run and make his class work. So things like not running inside, things like talking about problems instead of yelling at each other. He added explore every day, which I really loved. We wrote Devin's, Devin's agreements. And then 
I also printed out a bunch of pictures. And so we did, we have like a flow at school, they have a flow of the day, which is just sort of essentially their schedule of what, what they're doing. And so we posted a flow of the day with pictures for him as well, just so that he could have a sense of like what the order of things was and that, and, and now, and it was, it works really well. And now like when things go off the rails a little bit, we can be like, okay, Devin, like where where are you in your flow of the day? Like what, what should you be doing right now? And so that has, that has worked really well. And it's something that's like familiar to him because of preschool. And then, you know, is also just helping, helping it. I think it's helping him at home. And it's also helping us at home a lot because before we would be like, okay, what do you want to do now? You have these like 12 options and it was just too much. And so we also were able to limit what the, like based on the flow of the day, we're like, okay, it's time to go outside, go in the backyard or like, okay, it's time for snack. Go, you know, so it's, it's been really helpful. I think for us as parents also to not to resist the urge to throw out, to give him like 15 options, which is, it's never a good idea to give toddlers like a million options of things to do. Yeah, yeah, we definitely find that as well. Yeah, I guess I have some as well. So my fail would probably be from today. So my wife and I generally try to not be out between, I guess, dinner time and bedtime because it's just everyone's tired and cranky, including the parents, and trying to get everyone fed and ready for bed and all that type of thing. And she had to kind of drop her bike off to get fixed today because that's one of the essential things that are still open thankfully and my eight month old was just being a nightmare and just not wanting to eat his food and just screaming and whatever and i was getting more and more stressed and the the two and a half year old was kind of messing around and not really eating his food and stuff like that and then like after about 10 minutes and i you know i i almost i you know caught my self and stop myself from like telling him off or whatever because i was like you know he's just you know he's just getting there it's fine you're just getting annoyed at the younger one don't get annoyed at the older one and then he asked in like the sweetest voice it's like daddy can i have a fork and realized that we'd sat him down at the table and normally he eats his pasta with a fork and he hadn't had any cutlery whatsoever so the only reason he was messing around was because <laughs> he didn't have any implements to eat his dinner with <laughs> so oh, yeah no. so then gave him a fork and then he just like really nicely quietly just ate all his food up like without any complaints or messing <laughs> around and i was like oh man i feel really bad <laughs> poor wee guy and i guess an, another dinner related one probably would be my win which is so my eldest and i are my wife says inc well everyone says we look very alike and also like personality wise we're very alike we're both like incredibly stubborn we don't like to be told what to do like we take criticism poorly all this type of stuff so something that she's really helped me with do, do is like not turn things into almost like war of the world's battles where we both try and out stubborn each other and both of us get really wound up so like one of the the little habits he's got into is as soon as his food goes down even if he really likes it he says i don't like that I want a whatever, like yogurt or whatever he would normally have for kind of his dessert. And we've just started giving him his, if he does that, where we just give him his yogurt straight away. And then as soon as he's finished his yogurt, he'll then just eat through all his main course. And it's like, okay, he's now had his dessert before his main course, but it doesn't seem to in any way disrupt the eating of the main course. And my slightly kind of, 
you know, everything must be done in a certain order. Part of my brain is like, no, this is, you know, we're violating the rules of mealtime. But then it's it just makes everything so much easier. And he seems to eat the same amount of food and he eats all his main course and whatever. So you just, I guess, a win more for the parent than the child of being like, don't get stuck in your ways about that type of thing. And if I if I may cheekily have one more, because it's a kind of half win, half fail. I, I caught myself today saying, I was letting his brother sit on the table and I caught myself saying, okay, you can do this just this once. And then I had this brainwave that if you ever find yourself saying just this once to a two and a half year old, <laughs> st- stop what you're doing and do not go through with it because it's never just this once. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. If people want to Thank find you, you on the internet or whatnot, where should they look for you? So I'm on Twitter sometimes at Mike McQuaid. And then my website, MikeMcQuaid.com, is probably the best sort of point if you're interested in stuff I've been doing. And we'll link you to everything else. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We're patreon.com slash parentdrivendev and rate us on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.